The Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Hi Krishna, everyone. You're listening to the Late Morning Program with Namras, the number one Hare Krishna podcast in the world. I'm very honored to welcome Jagadananda Prabhu uh, on the podcast today. Thank you for joining me, Prabhu. Jai Sri Radhe. Jai Sri Radhe. So Jagadananda Prabhu, for those of you who don't know, is a uh, Vaishnava scholar. He is um, has done his PhD on the Gopal Champu rice, uh, Rasa psychology. He's an expert in Gaudiya Vaishnava history. He's uh, done many writing projects, um, and so I'm so excited to speak with him about his history um, and about his work and things like that. So let's get right into it, Prabhu, and tell us how you came into, uh, like, where did you grow up and how did you come in contact with uh, Krishna consciousness? Uh, well, I'm, I'm right now, I'm talking to you from Montreal, which is where I, uh, where I spent most of my adolescent life. And uh, I guess that uh, Srila Prabhupada came to uh, Montreal in 1967, because uh, if you know the history at all, then Prabhupada had a, a, a visa problem in the United States. But because at that time, the Commonwealth was much more liberal in terms of uh, tra traveling, Indian people could come to Canada without any visa at all. And so uh, Prabhupada came and stayed in Montreal. There was a big uh, World's Fair at the time called Expo 67. And, uh, and Prabhupada came here and uh, the devotees were quite active in 1967 and 68 in Montreal. So uh, we all, you know, we were among the fir first, I think it was the fourth city that Prabhupada uh, established a temple in. And uh, so I saw devotees, uh, you know, chanting here and there. And uh, I was a student at university at the time, at McGill. So the the devotees made their temple not very far from uh, from McGill University, and uh, so uh, I was quite familiar. And later on, I, I it took me a couple of years, but I joined when I was twenty in nineteen seventy. Wow! And where did you you served in Montreal in the beginning? No, no, I was uh, well. I I went to Toronto. Um, I was. Uh, it was uh, kind of. It was a, a summer of inevitability in my in my looking back that uh, things just uh, started pushing me in in a very in a direction that led me almost to the temple, mm -hmm. and uh, I was in Toronto. So in, I joined in Toronto, and I was there. I mean, my I went. You know, I mean, I had a, a usual ISKCON career of going here and there. <laughs> I went. Right. To, I went. To, I, we opened a temple in Ottawa, the Canadian capital city. And then I went to New York, and that's where I really started with the Sanskrit. Was in New York. I went to they they somehow another people thought that I had some uh, interest in learning Sanskrit, which was true. And uh, they sent me to work with the BBT. No, it wasn't the BBT at the time. It was ISKCON Press at the time. And so I went to so I went to uh, to uh, New York, and uh, I was there for a few months. And then they sent me to Dallas where I was the first Sanskrit teacher in the Dallas Gurukul. Oh, wow. so, that was, uh, so that was about 1972, I guess, maybe the end of 72, 73. And then finally, so then there was a bit of moving about again, but then I ended up in 1975 going to India. 
and uh, the big 1975, if you know them in the in ISKCON history, then you know that in 1975, the Krishna Balaram Temple opened. And right. Prabhupada particularly wanted as many people to go to India as possible. So um, I kind of uh, piggybacked because a lot of the parents of my students at, at uh, Dallas were wanted to go and uh, their parents wanted to go so there was uh so i said well if all the students are going to go why shouldn't i go <laughs> yeah. so i really wanted to go and i imagine i remember i started learning uh, bengali i got a book for learning bengali and i was uh on that we dr we drove from dallas to new york and uh i was spent the whole time reading the how to learn bengali or you know learning bengali quickly or something like that you know uh -huh. So, it was just, so by the time I got to India, I was already, uh, you know, I was already quite, uh, I, I had already, let's say I could read the alphabet and I already knew some basic uh, sentences. So <laughs> when we got to Nabadweep, I remember I was in Nabadweep and uh, I was just wandering in the town by myself and I went and I purchased a, a dictionary, an English, that was the first thing I was looking for. I wanted to find a an English to Bengali dictionary, Bengali to English dictionary. And when I got there, then I, I, I was in the street looking at my dictionary and asking, what's this, what's this, etaki, <laughs> etaki. So uh, I guess so that, so when that happened, then um, it was decided by the forces of, because we had spent the previous year in, in New Vrindavan trying to start, Prabhupada wanted the Varnashram College, you've heard of that? Yeah. yeah Prabhupada wanted to have the, the Varnashram College and uh, so it was decided that the older boys in, in Dallas, there were only four or five of them, that they should go to uh, New Vrindavan and we would start. And so I was, uh, I was the one who was teaching in New Vrindavan. And uh, then, but then, then those students all went to India. And so uh, I don't know who decided, made the decision, but uh, the GBC, I guess, made the decision to keep those boys in India and that I should also stay in India. So that was where I became the headmaster of the Mayapur Gurukula for, for about five years. Wow. And uh, you're teaching Sanskrit. Did you have, um, I know there was, there's always something around in ISKCON at least, uh, you know, don't get too much into Sanskrit because you could come too <laughs> well, smart or <laughs> like, yeah, what was well, that like? Or was it really accepted at that time for some people? Well, I wasn't. Well, it was. It was. You know, a little bit, just so that we wouldn't seem too stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Pradyumna was one, and uh, Nitai was another. So uh, um, you know, <clears throat> Prabhupada used to make fun of of, of of Pradyumna a bit, because Pradyumna was such a, a bookish man, <clears throat> such a bookworm. Yeah. And Nitai, but, but Nitai was the one who really became the problem because Nitai, uh, that was already, boy, it was 76 or some 75, 76 that he left. And uh, he made up, he left with a big splash. And so Prabhupada called him a black snake and uh, things like that. And so, uh, and so as a result, uh, you know, it was, uh, it, it, the word began to spread that uh, Sanskrit was not helpful. <laughs> Wow, that's where it started, huh? Well, it would probably be there because, um, right. well, I mean, Nitai had been a Nitai had been Prabhupada's secretary for quite some time. He, you often see photographs of him recording Prabhupada's walks and Prabhupada's talks, mm -hmm. and he was editing he was editing the Sanskrit for Prabhupada's books, and um, 
so he was quite a, you know, he was quite studious. He'd done Sanskrit at uh, University of Colorado, I think, before he became a devotee. But uh, then he got, uh, he, he became a, well, he, you know, I mean, that's a, a whole long story. We can talk about it later. But he decided sure. that, uh, he decided that, uh, that ISKCON was not authentic enough for him. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and so he, uh, but, but the thing was that, that he made, I can't, he went to Prabhupada himself and says, Prabhupada, I want to go to another guru. And then, but Prabhupada didn't uh, give him permission. So he went on and did it on his own. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, he's written some very interesting things about his experiences with his guru, Tinkuri Gosami. Oh, he's still around? Nitai? Yeah, yeah Nitai keeps a pretty, well, he has a website also. I mean, I guess you could talk to him too. He probably, yeah, that'd be interesting. He's, a good, he's a very good scholar, but he's, um, but he's been very negative about ISKCON. Right. Which, which is kind of, he was just early, you could say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah. But I, I, no, I, but I, I, you know, I, I, I we did some, uh, you know, Nitai and I started the Grantha Mandir together. So the idea was that, so he, he had a, he was a, you know, he was uh, when computers first came into vogue and he was more or less at the, at the, he was uh, teaching, he was, he was at University of Chicago. So, you know, University of Chicago is a very, uh, um, you know, top university, especially when Indology and religious studies are concerned. So he was at the, at the cutting edge of uh, computer science at the early you know, in the late in the 1990s, I guess it would have been, or 19, even before that, 1980s. So uh, he started the Grantham under actually before I did, but I'm the one who really took it over and started making it. Uh, you know, the Grantham. Tell us, tell us about the Grantham under. Well, the Grantham under was a yeah. So we started the Grantham under. I just finished my doctorate at University of London, and uh, at the University of London there was a professor who had done the first PhD himself uh, using uh, software, text analysis software. So, uh, you know, the the potential for analyzing text with, uh, with, uh, you know, computer technology was, I thought that it was a very good uh, idea. You know, I did a few projects of that sort myself, you know, because uh, you know to verify for instance uh, the legitimate the, the actual author of a book mm. so you can compare the language of a book you know you can can compare the vocabulary that's being used so you can com- compare certain kinds of statements so i did a comparison of prabodhananda uh, saraswati vilapa kusumanjali and uh, and um, krishna karnamrita so I wanted to see these three works. They're similar types of works. They're they're all works that are you know uh, kind of um, what you call stotra kavya. And the stotra kavya means a Sanskrit prayer that's written in glorification or in prayer to uh, a deity. So Vilakusumanjali is uh, Raghunath Das Goswami's work, which he wrote for uh, to Radha, you know, asking for service to Radha. And of course, Radharasa Sudhanidhi is a, a classical, uh, you know, the, in the same theme, but language is very different. I mean, you could never mistake Prabodhananda for for uh, for uh, Raghunath Das, nor could you mistake Raghunath Das for for Prabodhananda. Their their language is just, you know, they're both Sanskrit. So you, for maybe for someone who's a beginner, wouldn't notice the difference, but uh, you know, for someone who is actually, or even in the translations, you could say that there's a there's a difference because the themes change a bit. 
and then Karnamrita, Krishna Karnamrita by Bilba Mangala, that's really the, the granddaddy of the of this kind of Stotra Kavya. So uh, it was interesting to see how the, the three of them were compared, how they stood up. I was actually doing this, was, I was actually doing a compare, I was trying to prove that Prabodhananda Saraswati wrote the Radhara Susudanidhi. So I wanted to show that the language of Prabodhananda Saraswati was sufficiently distinctive that you could take his different works like Vrindavan Mahimamrita or Chaitanya Chandramrita. And by just by looking at the language and by looking at the patterns that were produced in the, in the language that uh, it would be possible to state with a reasonable degree of assurance that he was the, that this, this was the author. Oh, hang on a second. I got to sure. I've sure. got to plug in my, I forgot to plug in. Oh, okay, your, your laptop. Yeah. At any rate, so I was thinking that would be a very good idea. And I wanted to compare also, I was doing Udav Sandesh and, uh, and uh, Hangsa Dutta at the time. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I wanted to, uh, you know, I wanted to, uh, you know, do some, use the computer to analyze my, the text. That seems I don't, like I don't, that actually, I never like... got very far with that. But the, but what that did was it made me it prompted me to put the you know to to make at that at that time there was no real good uh, scanning software for uh, for Devanagari. Mm -hmm. Now you can now you can scan Devanagari. But even so, if you scan the Devanagari, you still have to edit afterwards because it makes mistakes. And also, quite often there are mistakes in the original text in the in the Devanagari text also. So there's a lot of work in editing. And what's good about having it on the computer, uh, having a digital text, is that you can go and you can correct it and everybody can get access to the corrected text and the updated text. So that's the kind of, so, the, so you know, Nitai started that project, but uh, right now it's being uh, under the, working under the aegis of the Jiva Institute. And uh, that's where the, Despite all the incessant problems that our information technology throws at you, it's still there, and we're hopefully one day we'll we'll be able to uh, you know make a make make something of it all. Right. <laughs> I and use it. I use it every single day because I'm working every day now. I'm uh, right now we're doing the the Sandarbas still. We're coming to the end of it, but I'm constantly looking at the Bhagavatam and looking at the Bhagavatam commentaries and editing the commentaries and trying to make it so that. Uh, uh, so that people in the future will be able to have texts that are correct. <laughs> ah, well. Are you working with Satyanarayan Babaji on that? Well, Satyanarayan. Well, he Satyanarayan doesn't work on the Granthamandir, but uh, you know okay. he, he he's uh, the Granthamandir is now uh, one of Jiva Institute's uh, projects. Yeah. Right, right. But, um, I've been working yeah. with Babaji for about. 13 years, oh. I, I forget exactly when I've been working on, on the Sundarbas. So I'm one of the editors of the, of the Sundarba project. Okay. Um, going back to your, your history in India, um, something I found really interesting, maybe there's something before this that I, that I'm, we're skipping over, but when um, Srila Prabhupada told you or someone told you to go into like meet all the Gaudiya Vaishnavas in the in the area. I'd love to hear about that story of how you went and who did you yeah, meet? So that and, was, and that. Uh, well, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I was in India from 75 to 80. So okay. I was there, you know, Prabhupada spent several times that he was there in, in uh, 
Mayapur. And uh, so I got to, you know, I got to have a couple of uh, good, si good sessions, sit down sessions with Prabhupada. Oh yeah, please tell us about that first. Well, I had done uh, I had done an English translation. I never finished it, but I had done a, a few chapters of the uh, of the Bhagavad Gita in English translation. We used to trans we used to sing with the students, right? So this was one of the things that Prabhupada wanted the students, the Bengali students, and also the Western students who were there to learn Gitar Gan. Have you seen that? You know Gitar Gan. Sounds familiar. I don't know what that is. Yeah, Gitar Gan. That was Prabhupada. Did Prabhupada did a complete translation in Bengali verse of the Bhagavad of the Bhagavad Gita, oh. showing how much he loved the Bhagavad Gita. Prabhupada was a real fan of the Gita. Right. But um, but we used to chant that with the students. So the students, we you know, like it, when 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 we were in Dallas, in Dallas we used to um, Dayananda. I don't know if you know Dayananda Das. Dayananda was the president of the of the uh, he, Dallas Gurukul. He was on the podcast just like a few episodes ago. Actually. Oh, great! Yeah, well, I should yeah. watch that. Dalla, he's yeah. a he's he's a very independent thinker nowadays, also. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's always been independent. That was one of his characteristics. He he uh, he he's the one who started that. He we used to have quite a the Dallas Gurukul used to be quite a, quite a, an interesting place. We used to do have a lot of competitions and things like that. And uh, one of the, some one of the competitions was the Krishna book competition. Somebody had set up, you know, these these tables with buzzers, so that uh, mm -hmm. you know we could have a, like a you know a, a jeopardy contest. or something. Yeah, you know, one of these contest type things, and we'd see them. Yeah. And someone would ask questions, and the children would have to answer it. So that was very good for them. They really got excited and read. You know, they were people. They 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 knew the Krishna book inside and out. They could they could. Uh, the the champion was a uh, was a, a boy called Lila Smaranam. He he got his name from the from his uh, expertise, but he was so fast. You know, you would ask him some kind of question like, "How many bodyguards did Ugrasen have?" You know, wow. <laughs> he was good. But um, so so in that spirit, uh, we had a contest to who could learn the Bhagavad Gita the first. You know, who could memorize the whole seven hundred verses of the Bhagavad Gita first. And so the teachers and the students were all. It was like the teachers against the students. But of course, the students won <laughs> because wow. they have they have a more um, they had a more uh, you know elastic memory and they could mm -hmm. learn quickly. So uh, there was a girl I don't even remember her name. I should find out what the name of the girl was who learned the whole Bhagavad Gita. But I eventually did memorize the whole Bhagavad Gita in uh, in India mm -hmm. in '77. I, I I actually was able to recite the Gita from beginning to end without stopping. Wow. But uh, you know that started in Dallas, mm -hmm. but at any rate, so that was that was Dayananda's idea. So uh, you know, and you and so Prabhupada. Um, you so, were Prabhupada that, yeah, so Prabhupada had his own. Prabhupada did his translation. So when we were in 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 Mayapur, we we started the same program with the Bengali translation. Yeah. Actually, if you look at the if you look at the in, in the Bengali version of the of the Bhagavad Gita as it is, Bhagavad Gita Jata Jata. They don't even have the Sanskrit they use. They only have the Bengali, uh, as far as I remember. Perhaps it's not every edition, but they just have the, the Bengali, uh, Prabhupada's Bengali translation. Mm -hmm. And they don't even have a, another translation. They just use the Bengali translation and then they have the, the, the commentary. So that's the way Bhakti Chara decided to do it. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's not the only version they've done. I would imagine that they did the, uh, have done other ones like that. But there was certainly a version like that that just had the Gita gone. 
But I don't know what the situation is currently with the guitar gun. There are the, what people do with it now. It doesn't seem to have the same. Uh, we used to really, I mean, the, the the book distribution that was the main book that they used to distribute was the guitar. Wow. Yeah, no, I haven't heard anything about it. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know why because it's. Yeah. Uh, but I, it's just that you know, in Iskon, one of the things because I, I had the good fortune to be in Mayapur, and. Uh, and uh, so uh, in, in Mayapur, I was in the Bengali world and I learned in the, the Bengali. So I became quite familiar with, uh, with um, you know, the Bengali culture, the Bengali Vaishnava culture. And so uh, this is probably why getting back to the story of what happened after Prabhupada disappeared. But um, when, when Prabhupada uh, left the planet, then uh, he made it in his will. One of, the, one of his requests was that... Uh, uh, that he sh I, I found this extremely amazing going back to that time and I, and I considered extremely si significant also that uh, that Prabhupada uh, asked that uh, in the course of his preaching I mean I can't remember the exact words, phrase but in the course of Prabhupada's preaching uh, that he had perhaps committed offenses to other Vaishnavas so he was feeling uh, remorse for that and that he wanted that uh, he wanted that after he left the world, that uh, his disciples would go to the Vaishnavas in Vrindavan and Nabadweep. I'm not uh, I'm not quite sure if he included Jagannath Puri in that because we didn't have a temple in Jagannath Puri, so probably not. But certainly, uh, so and I don't know who did it in 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 Vrindavan I have no idea I never heard the story from anybody who did it in Vrindavan maybe it was uh it was Padmalochan or someone who who did the, a similar task was Padmalochan and I were kind of similar in a way that we you know that we we wandered around outside of ISKCON besides um not just simply uh, sticking to the ISKCON tasks and I was often engaged you know like you know uh, as a liaison uh, for instance, if there was a, a feast and we got invited to a feast, then usually I would be the one who would go and eat. <laughs> oh, wow. I would go and eat on behalf of the devotees of Iskan. But uh, so, and I, I spoke Bengali, so it was uh, it was um, it was a good opportunity for me certainly. But it was also you know that they that the Iskan's leaders, you know, because of the because of the kind of. Um, yeah conflict that existed between Iskan and the Gaudiya Mats, that uh, the Iskan leaders, they never, they very rarely went, uh, if they were invited, you know, let's say if it was the, you know, Goswami Maharaj or uh, Madhusudan Maharaj or Madhav Maharaj, you know, they all had temples just down the road from, from us or Chaitanya. I don't think that Chaitanya, Chaitanya Mat, I don't think they ever invited us anywhere. <laughs> but, but certainly, Certainly, those other temples, Madhusudan Maharaj and Goswami Maharaj, we were often, you know, every year we would, you know, for their or for their special events that we would be invited. So I was the one who often got to go there, and I got to meet all these, uh, you know, these acharyas from the Gaudiya Math. So uh, when when it came to this uh, last desire that Prabhupada had to uh, to to uh, ask forgiveness, now you see the thing was that it was a difference in opinion. For the for the leaders of the ISKCON, they just considered that this was some kind of exemplary humility on Prabhupada's part, and they didn't take it seriously that this was had any meaning. But um, but I thought that it was uh, you know I thought that it that he meant it you know <laughs> I thought that yeah. he was being I thought he was being sincere because I was quite familiar with all the uh, you know the 
the language that that was uh, you know thrown around in this uh, competitive uh, intervention of community mm-hmm. so uh, so well, like uh, in le- like in letters or something well you know i mean of course Prabhupada did write things in letters but i mean maybe he did it just uh, maybe he no I, I i think that quite likely because you know for a long time in iskon the uh, the records uh, you know they didn't really have uh, any translations of the you know they had recordings but a lot of the times when Prabhupada was speaking the english part would be recorded and when they started speaking hindi or bengali they would just cut it out they wouldn't even bother right. to record it. oh right you know, but then later they started recording it, but those were never translated. I mean, I, I think that perhaps now they've been translated, but it took a long time for them to get to the point where they would actually translated those things. So exactly what Prabhupada was saying, you know, sometimes I think he was saying these, uh, he, he was saying unkind things about his disciples, <laughs> let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but also he was, you know, I mean, Prabhupada was, Prabhupada was strongly opinionated about the, uh, about how to go about spreading Mahaprabhu's message, and he felt quite quite uh, convinced that uh, what he was doing was really the the only appropriate way of uh, engaging with uh, the Sankirtan movement. And uh, so he, so Prabhupada and Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati. I mean, for instance, there was a lot of criticism of the traditional Vaishnavas, you know, calling them sadhyas and right. and um, you know, uh, you know like Bhakti Sananta Saraswati saying that uh, that uh, Nirjan Bhajan, you know, talking about Nirjan Bhajan, you know, Tomar Tomar Harinama Kebola Kaitob. Right. Your chanting of the holy name is uh, just cheating. Mm. You're just deceiving people. You're only doing it for Pratishta. Was that Vaishnav K? Yeah, that's uh, right, Vaishnav K. Right, right. Mm. So, uh, so you went. So you went. You were going to all those uh, those Vaishnavas. Well, I, so this is what happened. So this was good, this was ha- what happened to me. So Prabhupada said, uh, you know, that uh, we should do. So somebody, you know, I guess Bhavananda or Jayapataka gave me a fistful of dollars, of rupees, mm-hmm. and told me to go and told me to do it. So I went to Nabadweep and I looked up and like tried to find all the all the Vaishnavas that I could find. I went to. Uh, I, I went first. The first one place I went to was uh, Birnagar. I went to see Lalita Prasad Thakur. He was the first person I went to see, and then I think afterwards I went to see uh, the Nityananda Goswamis in uh, in in uh, Srivasangan and uh, you know Madan Gopal Goswami, and then the, I went to uh, the Nitagorade Sham people, and I mean I found a lot of. I I I, I got to meet. A ton of people. <laughs> and it what was, is Gopal uh, Goswami? Is the uh, is he the dis, is he um, uh, his disciples' disciple has something to do with Vinod uh, Bihari Babaji from Varshana, or is that my mistake in that? No, Vinod Bihari Babaji in Varshana is the disciple of Tinkuri Baba. So he's the disciple right. of uh, he's he, Nitai is this, took initiation from Tinkuri Baba. Oh right, right. Kishori Kishorananda Das, and uh, mm. so his. He, but he was called Tinkuri. That was his given right. name as in childhood, right? Uh, because of the you know you you know where, where are you from? What's your origin? What are your Indian Guj- origins? Gujarat. Gujarat. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's a bit different. I don't know if they have that habit in, it's a, a very much, I don't think I've ever seen that, those names given. You sometimes see Panch Kuri, Tin Kuri, mm. Sat Kuri. The mm. idea is that Kuri is a cowrie, right? It means a, it means a, one of those little shells that used to be used as as uh, money. Oh, right. And so uh, so what the, what would happen is that you, the, the, when, when a, a family was having difficulty with uh, their children dying, right? You have in the past, a lot of, a lot of uh, children died in, in at birth, or very quickly afterwards, you know, childhood diseases. So uh, what they when when one or two or three children had died, then they would go to the and they would sell their child to the deity for a certain for you know for three coin you know for like three pennies or for five pennies. Right? <laughs> That's why they would get the name. And so then so then and then you say okay now he's yours. You know, like you take care of him. We don't. It's not our responsibility anymore. Wow. <laughs> At any rate, so, yeah, anyway, so yeah, I, to, all I, those... I don't think that. I, no, I didn't go to. I didn't go to Tinkuri. I met Tinkuri Prabhu afterwards, but uh, uh -huh. but um, at the time he wasn't in Brinda, in in Nabadu. He was in uh, in Dabadu. What was your initial impression of all these? Like, I know you probably came from an ISKCON background in the sense of okay, I have my home in ISKCON and. Prabhupada's there and I'm just meeting all these Vaishnavas. Did you think like, whoa, there's a whole, whole world out there or like, you know? Well, that was the, the, the well, the first thing that I was amazed by was their humility. Mm. There was only one person. I probably shouldn't mention the name, but uh, there was only one person who had really, I think he had really been hurt by some of the things that Prabhupada said. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, and and so uh, when I came to him, he was like, "Okay," <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was like kind of begrudgingly, you know, like, "Oh, I guess I, I guess I have to," wow. you know. But, but, but most of the other ones, they were, you know, every single one of them, they had nothing but praise for Prabhupada. They glorified Prabhupada. They were, yeah. you know, and and actually, you mentioned Bidod Bihari Baba, but fairly recently, in the last six months or so. There was a recording of, of Binod Bihari Baba. Perhaps it was at Prabhupada's uh, disappearance or appearance day, or yeah, I think a few days after Prabhupada's appearance day or something. Because yeah. a lot of Iskand people go to see uh, Binod Bihari Baba in Binar Yes, Basin. yes. And uh, he never tells them, you know, that you're, you know, he never says anything negative to them. He right. he encourages them, and he's a real he's a real Nam Sankirtan person he's really dedicated yes. i mean he's really a uh, a person who believes in the holy name and in the yeah. uh, nam yagya and so he doesn't uh, he, you know if you listen to i mean do you speak hindi you, you is your hindi any good uh, it's okay i mean i can understand a lot but my speaking is like i learned it from like watching mahabharat as a kid <laughs> okay well you can if you listen to uh vinod bihari is you know he's he, his I did watch that video, I think, where he glorifies Srila Prabhupada. Yeah, I mean, he's really, I mean, he's quite, uh, quite, in, so that's the kind of, I mean, that's what, that's what I ran into, that kind of thing. Maybe right. not, not quite, because people over the years, you know, and people see how, how the Krishna consciousness movement has, you know, continued to spread. And not only has it continued to spread, but I think that what's convincing the people in India, the, of the bona fides, let's say, of ISKCON is the, the fact that so many <clears throat> of the devotees have actually become learned and under, you know, so many of them have integrated with Indian society in some ways. Like, um, and this is a, you, I don't know if there's several people now who are doing this kind of thing in, in Vrindavan over the last couple of years, 
there's um there's Raj Narayan, Gautam Kattar, uh, and uh, what's the other fellow? Who is Mero Brindavan? There's about four or five people now who are going around and they're just interviewing devotees in Vrindavan. And especially Gautam Kattar is very interested in talking to Western devotees. Oh, yes, so I've seen some of his so stuff he doesn't, on YouTube. He doesn't, yeah. you know, some of them are in English, but he loves, yeah. he just really loves it. He's got, he finds all these uh, in, uh, Western devotees who, or not just devotees, because he goes to Rishikesh and Hardwar and, yes. and finds, uh, you know, yogis and... Uh, who like walked from Sweden or something like that? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah I, mean, find <laughs> I saw people. There's that one guy yeah. from there. Yeah, I mean, there's some really interesting fellows there. Yeah, and a lot of them do speak. I mean, some of them speak fantastic Hindi. Yes. There, you know, there's a, there. You know, there was one fellow who was uh, from Australia, and he went and he, his parents were yogis, and they sent him to uh, the Bihar School of Yoga. And he went there as a child of thirty. He was thirteen when he went there. So his Hindi is, you know, and he also studied. So he was, I mean, his Hindi is perfect. That's and there's a, there are quite a few people like that now. Yeah. So, I mean, for the, for the, the Gautam Kattar, especially is a, he's a real Hindu nationalist, right? And so he really likes to, uh, he really likes to say, look at these people, they're wearing dhotis. Yeah. <laughs> more Indian than most, most Indians. Yeah, that's, that's right. And uh, you know, and and of course, all the devotees are very. I mean, actually, I find that the devotees are really quite uh, innocent, and uh, they don't, you know, they don't, they don't challenge him at all. You know, he yeah. starts, you know, why do you come to India? What are you coming to India for? What is it? What do you want here? And uh, you, know, you know, we love India. You know, it's spiritual. We, you know, this is what we're looking for. You know, Western, just you know. You know, running after sense gratification, work hard to make money, and so you can do what, enjoy, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. So he's uh, that's that's a I, it must be a good preaching tool because some of those videos have hit millions of followers. Mm -hmm. There have been some that have had you know like the, you know some of them had two, three, four million you know hits. Views, yeah. You can do that in India, you know. You should switch languages. <laughs> <laughs> So, so meeting all those, um, so how often did you do that or you just did it once? No, <coughs> I just did the, I just did, I went everywhere and did it. I went to meet everybody and, uh, uh, I did it that once, but I mean, I must, but, uh, <coughs> later on I went and, uh, I mean, I really didn't, uh, I, I didn't really get, uh, caught up in any of the, of them, but it really gave me the opportunity to see, um, Nabadweep and I mean I went to all the Gaudiya Mats. So um when I met I mean nearly all the Gaudiya Mata Acharyas in there. So it was a, it was a very it was a very good experience for me, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. And certainly I felt and, and I was very positively impressed by all of them. You know, maybe I'm an innocent fool. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think yeah, I mean maybe yeah, I was, I don't know. <laughs> how old were how old were you at the time? Well, I would have been, I, I was pushing, so I mean, that would, I would have been 27 then. Yeah. Wow. But um, I had the, you know, I was learning Bengali, and so we had a neighbor at that time. So now if you go to Mayapur, I mean, you've probably been there. Have you been to? You've yes. been there. Yeah, I've been there, yeah. So, you know, the, the, there's, the, there's the, I don't even know the names. They gave them all names, you know, uh, the buildings, like Conch Building and so on. Yeah. 
but the long building that goes all the way down the what would it be it would be the the, the i don't even know what it was it's the, it would be the eastern side right there's a long building there long building yeah yeah and on the other side there was still that was still wasn't now it's his property but at the time it wasn't his property and uh, Damodar Maharaj had his ashram right next to Iskand. So it's, you know, he had a you know, little, he had a little, little piece of land there that he had his ashram. And in his ashram, he was just, you know, like basically living in a hut, and uh, so on. But he used to come quite often to the. He was, uh, you know, the <clears throat> Prabhupada had a very kind of negative opinion of Damodar Maharaj because Damodar Maharaj was just living a simple life. You know, he wasn't going out and preaching to the world. You know, he was, right. you know, occasionally we'd go here and there and give classes and so on. But, uh, but his, he, he really just liked to live a simple life and, uh, and uh, live a simple devotional life, like in the old style. But he used to come to the temple quite often. And I used to read him Chaitanya Bhagavad. It was, I, I gave me a, you know, he used to listen there, sit there and listen, and I would, uh, I would read Chaitanya Bhagavat to him. So that was something that there was nobody in, there was nobody in ISKCON I could do that with, really, you know. It was something that I, and I went to the Devananda Gaudiya Math, which was uh, Vaman Maharaj. And uh, I started learning Harinam Amrita Vyakaran at uh, Devananda Gaudiya Math. So I would go there, try to go there every single day to learn Harinam Amrita Vyakaran. Of course, I didn't get very far, but uh, at least it was, uh, you know, it was a it was a very good experience for me, and it gave me also the opportunity because um, the Devananda Gaudiya Math had uh, their their magazine, and Prabhupada used to because Prabhupada was a friend of Keshav Maharaj, and so uh, <clears throat> Prabhupada wrote and published, and he was quite a a, a frequent um, writer and publisher, not publisher, but uh, you know, contributor. I think he was on the editorial board also of the of their magazine, and uh, so I was the I was given the opportunity to go there and to find all of Prabhupada's writings at the Devananda Gaudiya Math. So all that the compilation later on it was published as a book, all of Prabhupada's articles that he wrote uh, while he was uh, still. This is before he had even taken sannyas, and uh, and those were compiled into a book. I'm, I'm sure it's been available. They used to call it, they call it for some reason, it was called uh, Vairagya Vidya, but I think they changed the name afterwards that it was not, uh, you know, didn't fit the contents. But uh, but that was where all these poems, you know, Prabhupada's poems, you know, that, uh, you know, Vrindavane Bhajan. I mean, I can remember I, when, I, when I found those, I, I always felt like I was, uh, you know, Christopher Columbus landing on, <laughs> landing in America, you know. And so yeah. actually, I did the first attempt at translating some of those, but oh. uh, you know, I think they've all been redone. But uh, the poem. Did you go to? Did you go to meet Sridhar Maharaj also? Pardon? Shridhar oh yeah, Sridhar Maharaj all the time. Yeah. I was uh, especially after Prabhupada left. You know, I mean, of course, Sridhar Maharaj was one of the people that I visited uh, with the the offering of uh, of um, apologies, but uh, people. Oh, after, after, not from Prabhupada. Pardon? Apology, apology from Srila Prabhupada or from after Prabhupada left? Yeah, this would be after the Srila Prabhupada. Oh, okay. No, I never went there when Prabhupada was alive. Okay. But uh, or I shouldn't, perhaps shouldn't. That's improper language. But when Prabhupada was present, I I, I never okay. went to uh, Sri Maharaj's. I mean, a lot of other people did, uh, but right. they usually went with Prabhupada. So you have photos of Prabhupada going there with his whole, you know, his entourage. 
Yes. But uh, I was always too busy with uh, the Guruku for that kind of thing. Right. But uh, after Prabhupada left, then people started um, slowly started going and visiting Sridhar Maharaj. And I was I used to go there fairly frequently, and I used to very much enjoy. It's another Sridhar Maharaj impressed me a great deal, not only because of his scholarship, but because of his uh, humility. You know, he he would uh, I would come there, and here I am, like a twenty-seven-year-old kid, right, and uh, with completely ignorant really even after so several years in this guy and uh he would uh, come out of his room and sit down and speak to me one-on-one -on -one, right and uh i mean it was i found that it was uh, extraordinary that uh, he would give me his time like that and he would actually you know despite his age and his uh you know physical difficulties he would get you know Give me a whole lecture, right? A personal lecture on <laughs> on the Bhagavatam. So uh, that was uh, very uh, inspiring, also for me. Mm -hmm. So later on, I mean, I <clears throat> later on, of course, uh, when I left Iskand, and Sridhar Maharaj was not very happy with me, and I went to see him one time. But he, tell uh, us about tell us about the events leading up to why you left and all that. Well, that's a bit of a complicated story, and it's co controversial from the in, from the point of view of Iskon and mm -hmm. uh, from the Gaudiya Math also. And uh, this is why you know Sridhar Maharaj really he was uh, uncompromisingly tough with me uh, when I when I uh, left Iskon because I went to Lalita Prasad Thakur, and uh, Lalita Prasad Thakur and uh, had been in a long kind of uh, you know argument with. With the Gaudiya Math. Prabhupada didn't think, I mean, Prabhupada went a few times to visit. Uh, that was really one of the things that uh, attracted me to Lali to Prasad Thakur. When, um, because uh, in about 1972, you know, when Prabhupada was first really uh, establishing things in India, uh, then uh, one of the things that he wanted, I think, was to uh, have Bhaktivinoda Thakur's birthplace. As a as an ISKCON center, mm -hmm. and so he went there and tried to negotiate with uh, Lalita Prasad Thakur. And I think that that Prabhu, uh, uh, when he spoke to, you know, he didn't come right out and say yes or no. But he, you know, like this is often the case in negotiations in India. I don't know if you have that, uh, but um, Indian people don't, are not necessarily straightforward in their in the way that they deal with people you know but you can kind of tell if someone is going to is for or against what you're talking about right. but um but they'll tend to nod and mm -hmm. uh, say okay yes yes we'll do it let's talk about it you know but they don't really mean it and i think that that was the kind of situation Prabhupada thought that lalita prasad Thakur was ready to turn uh beer nagar over to <clears throat> to iskan could we take a step back first, Prabhu? Like, can we explain for those of you uh, who don't know who Lalita Prasad is yeah, and sure, that of kind of history? I have a picture up here I just wanted to share of, of Prabhupada and Lalita. Oh, Prasad. yeah, well, that's a good one. That's not the best one. There's a better one than this, but this is a good one also. Is it over here but, somewhere? Uh, there's, a, there's one of uh, where the two of them are laughing, right? This one here? Yeah, that's it there. Show that one. That one. I have this one on my altar. Oh yeah, that's on. Okay, that was that's my that's my website there. Oh yeah, there you go. There's your website. Google goes straight to there. Pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Tell us about him. Yeah. Obviously, he is, uh... Prabhu is saying something that's making Prabhupada really laugh. 
<laughs> I, I often, you know, I sometimes speculate on what they, what 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 they're saying to each other. <laughs> I say, and I often think, you know, because I said I joked a little bit earlier that maybe they're saying because if you look at some of the other pictures from this series, you'll see that Guru Das and Shamsinder are uh, well. You don't have them there. No, they're not there. Oh, they're not there. No, okay. no, no, no. But there's a. You, if you look at this, uh, if you if you go back. Look at, oh yeah, look at this one. There, you you showed one. Go ahead, go back. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's loading. Okay, no, that's not. Uh, it's no, no, here. No. Go, go back that's to your there. Yeah, that one, that one. Yeah, there. Yeah. Okay, look at that picture. Is that what show? Show? Can you make that one bigger? Yeah. Okay, no, this is not the one. But you see, here is Guru Das, and I forget who that is there. But um, Chutananda, uh, it says. Huh? Oops, it said a Chutananda. Oh, is that a Chutananda? Yeah, that's a Chutananda, right? Chutananda, Guru Das, and Shila Prabhupada. Okay. Well, in in some of the pictures, they're falling asleep. <laughs> oh, really? Because <laughs> they're speaking they're speaking another language, and no one understands. So yeah, exactly. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So there was, but I think that uh, maybe he was saying something about that. <laughs> but again, Sa just, I, or sometimes I think you know that uh, that uh, Lalita Prasad Thakur is saying, "Why don't you just give me one of your, well, just give me one of your disciples, or give me a couple of your disciples, it's like that, right. sort of help." So I don't know if Prabhupada wanted to do that. But uh, maybe that's why he was laughing. <laughs> right. Just, a, just as a side note, um, this picture yeah, was finish, going around. Who's saying? So Lalita Prasad Thakur. Is, yeah. yeah. This is the this is a picture of him right when he was ninety nine years old. So right near the end of his life. Wow. But, but Lalita Prasad Thakur is the director. Oh, they got some good pictures there, boy. I don't see. Just, <laughs> it's just a just a short Thakur. Google search. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. Anyway, but this is. A, but um, anyway, Lalita Prasad Thakur is the son of uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur. He was the oh. last surviving descendant of, uh, not the last, the last surviving offspring. So oh. he was, uh, he, he left his body, I guess, in 1980. So he was born in 1879. Wow. And, uh, and uh, he spent the last 40 or 50 years of his life uh, at Bhaktivinoda Thakur's birthplace, which he had developed. So he, 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 he discovered that um, he went there in, Actually, in the in the um, autobiography, if you've ever read Bhaktivinoda Thakur's autobiography, there's a uh, in about uh, 1892 or something like that. Bhaktivinoda Thakur went with Bhakti Siddhanta, with Bhimala Prasad, and with Lalita Prasad and a couple of his other sons. They went and visited uh, Birnagar, and uh, uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur pointed out the place where the where where he had been born. And so, uh, and so, uh, in about 1920, I think 1921, uh, Lalita Prasad Thakur, when he broke off with uh, with uh, the Gaudiya Mutt, then he uh, went and uh, found that that place. Lalita Prasad Thakur actually had possession of uh, the uh, Swananda Sukhada Kunj mm -hmm. and uh, Surabi Kunj. So those are both in, in on the in the Swarup Ganj side of, uh, yeah. of Mayapur. And um, he also had the, the he, but he, er, before that, he had he had found the, the birthplace of, um, of Bhakti no Thakur in Birnagar and he had purchased, at that time, I don't think they owned the property any longer. I, I'm not exactly, the whole, basically what had happened is the whole place had uh, gone, un, gone into uh, complete abandonment, it completely fallen apart. The original household of um, Bhaktivinoda Thakur's uh, 
maternal grandfather, right? But Birnagar was the home of Bhaktivinotakur's mother, and uh, her, and her her grand her father uh, was the the um, was the person who owned this. Who was a jaminda, so he was the possessor of a large plantation there. So he had a huge he he had a very large uh, land owning a uh, land holding there. But eventually, uh, he he started to lose it. Bhaktivinoda Thakur talks about this in his uh, in his memoirs about how his grandfather started to lose everything. The reason he said, you know, what he says, he says that uh, his uh, he had he had he had uh, his wife. He had he had no sons. You see, I think he had a son, but his son had died, and I'm not getting the details now. But he needed a, 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 a an heir. And so he wanted to have a son, and so he kept marrying. He got he got married three or four times in order to find a son. But each time he did so, or at least you know his wives were avaricious, and they had you know each one of his wives had hangers on like brothers and uncles and cousins, and they all came to him and they were just you know bleeding him dry, you know, and uh, and because of all of this he actually uh, started to lose and he made bad investments and things like that and so the, he, he was losing the, 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 the property there in Birnagar so by 19 and then in 18 in 1857 or no maybe before 1855 what was the year, the year 1855 I guess it would have been Bhaktivinoda Thakur was studying in Calcutta at the time and uh, uh, then they had this there was a, a a plague, the plague hit Birnagar. And it's a very, very interesting description in the uh, in the memoir of Bhaktivinoda Thakur coming. He's just a 17-year-old boy, or you know, and he's coming back to the, you know, he's been studying at his at an uncle's house in, in Calcutta. And uh, he comes back to his his own hometown and he arrives in in those days they used to travel up and down the river by boat. And uh, he arrives in in uh, Birnagar, and people are just dying. All you know, people, all the houses. There are people dying in the houses everywhere. You see, you know, uh, bullock carts pulling, you know, loads of dead bodies to the to the uh, burning ghat, and so on. You know, and he, he the only he's only there. He gets his mother out of there and gets his sister out of there as fast as he can. You know, but uh, the description is really. He he wrote one of his first poems in in English in in, in Bengali excuse me was uh, was an, a description Vijan Gram you know Vijan Gram means a, a, the the empty town you know the town that was oh, wow. the village that was emptied out and so really Birnagar after that time you know it it was set back because during if it's actually Bhaktivinoda Thakur's memoirs of his childhood that's really the best part of the of his autobiography because he talks about he's really quite you know he had I think he had in many ways he had a good a, a nice he enjoyed his childhood in Birnagar it was I heard a, that some people don't like don't uh, I mean it's like banned in some societies to read that autobiography for some reason because I think it's like it puts him it makes like the humanness of him like too much because he talks about all kinds of things about his previous yeah. to becoming a devotee of Krishna and yeah. things like that. Well, that's a that's a yeah. I'm I'm really 
I, I've, I've actually written on my uh, blog about this because Narayan Maharaj, so I always, I mean, I, I have a great respect for Narayan Maharaj. I, I mean, I, I, uh, I, 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 well, I won't mince words. I think I have a great respect for Narayan Maharaj and I always liked him when I was a Gaudiya Math, when I was an Iskan person. But uh, later on, uh, he also didn't approve of my, uh, of my movement. Of my of my leaving Iskan, yeah, that's, it's, it's, he didn't mind people leaving Iskan to come to him. Right. <laughs> but uh, but I, I read in one of his conversations because they published several books of uh, Narayan Maharaj's conversations, and uh, I discovered I read one of those things when he said things, and he said first of all he he, he argues that uh, Bhakti Notakar didn't write it at all, that it was Lalita Prasad who did so. And uh, that's just completely ridiculous. And I, I felt rather annoyed that uh, someone with uh, Narayan Maharaj's authority should say something like that. Going but, back to uh, Lalita Prasad, maybe we can explain why he was such a controversial figure. Like okay, you're saying, well, Maharaj saying Narayan Maharaj didn't approve should, of you going there. Yeah, well, we should start by saying that, uh, that uh, Lalita Prasad Thakur asked his father in this so he would have been about 16 at the time so so uh, he asked uh, bhakti Thakur to tell him something about his life so the, the memoir was written specifically as a letter to lalita prasad Thakur, or at least it takes the form like that he but it's written for his son it's written for lalita prasad Thakur. lalita prasad Thakur asked him to do it and so he writes, and, so, and quite often in the in the in the as he's telling the story, he actually uh, you know mentions you know Lalita Prasad directly. He says Lalit, you call you know calling him Lalit, and you know telling saying thing that you know you did like this or you did like that, you know something something like this. Like for instance, uh, Lalita Prasad, he took he took Lalita Prasad to to Vrindavan when Lalita Prasad was one year old. Uh, then Bhaktivinoda Thakur took a trip to Vrindavan. And he says that, uh, you know, that he, you know, like he, he mentions uh, that he's the Prasad Thakur urinating in the temple. <laughs> you know, things like that. <laughs> you know, the little baby, you know, he, you know, like that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, so you, you get a little bit of that in, in there as well. But, uh, well, as to whether it's uh, too human, that's something that I think that uh, is a, something that we needn't really worry about. It's really the it's it's really the basic problem of the whole guru tattva problem in, in you know that's the Western devotees have and also I think that it's it's extended beyond that you know in in India it probably maybe it starts with Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati I'm not quite sure but you know in India the the custom if you look back. There's actually an article on my blog about this also called uh, Charismatic Renewal. I wrote this, I published, this was published in uh, Edward Bryant's book about, uh, called The Post-Charismatic Fate of a Religious Transplant or something. Oh, yes, I've heard of that. that book. Yeah, yeah, my article in there was about, uh, about the... Uh, about the, the systems, the, 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 the way that the, the Gaudiya Vaishnava society had had uh, been constructed prior to the coming of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, really. Because Bhakti Vinod Thakur, he never started, like so sometimes nowadays you see, and I'm really, I, it's another irritating mistake that I see in some scholarly works, even some um, 
important Indian Bengali scholars of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, they say that Bhaktivinoda Thakur founded the Gaudiya Mutt. And that's, of course, completely erroneous. Mm -hmm. But um, Bhaktivinoda Thakur himself, he started something different. He started the, what you know, he called Nam Hatta. So he was, he was trying to organize, but his organization was not like a, a, a top heavy thing with him as the Acharya and, and so on. He was, he was thinking about, he was thinking about um, modern ways to, uh, or let's say for instance, he was looking for ways to synthesize the ways that the that the uh, Christian preachers, with whom he was very familiar, uh, had uh, spread Christianity or, or were trying to spread Christianity in Bengal, and also uh, the traditional methods of Sankirtan and Pat and so on. I mean, the 19th century, if you read about 19th century, what was going on in, in uh, Vaishnavism in the 19th century, it's a good book uh, by... Uh, 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 Kanta uh, uh, um, uh, Chakravarti, uh, uh, Chakravarti, Africa, uh, something, Raj, Rajinikanta. Uh, I'm bad. I'm, I'm getting old, my friend. But uh, he, 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 talk, he talks, he gives, he has a, a fairly good couple of chapters about 19th century Bengal and uh, what was going on. You know, often we have a, a very negative opinion of the way that. Vaishnavism was, uh, you know, being cultivated and what was going on. But you have to understand that Gaudiya Vaishnavism has been spreading ever since its inception. It's not, it didn't stop. It didn't stop somewhere. It wasn't like that everything went dark in the 18th and 19th century or something like that. I mean, it was continuing on. It had its struggles, of course, like everything else. But there was a, there was a particular social system that had developed, you know, that was centered around the Goswamis, around the Nityananda Vankshas and, and, uh, and so on. And they were, generally speaking, they were the, the leaders. Now, of course, whenever you have a kind of system like that, there, there's always opportunity for, uh, for corruption to, to settle in. But uh, on the whole, you know, you have, you, even during the time of Siddhanta Saraswati, there were many Goswamis who were, you know, st staggeringly good scholars of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, you know, and there were, <clears throat> and there were people in the Babaji community also who were, you know, fantastic scholars of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Sanskrit and, you know, and so on. As a matter of fact, you can say that it hasn't you know that it hasn't really gotten much better. Maybe now, I think that nowadays, with um, you know, with uh, the availability of information, right? Like when the internet came out, we uh, in uh, let's say in about well, we I think that the, the, there were several uh, forums that started in the early two thousands. It's really when it started. I mean, I guess it started in the nineteen nineties, but. Uh, you know, when most of them were kind of listserv, you remember that listservs? I guess you might be too young for that, right? <laughs> anyway, they had these, so, but, you know, the internet provided opportunities for, you know, information exchange. And uh, in 2002, we, we started Godia discussions and that, you know, that was just, it was just. Oh, uh, I remember that. Yeah, well, Godia, yeah, Godia discussions, that was one of, I, I was a, uh, you know, I think I was number four. I was one of the the beginner, you know, the founders of the Gaudiya discussions. Oh, cool! But the Gaudiya discussions was really great because it, you know we had 
many many people were coming there because they were uh, and even now you know uh, marcus who is the you know the one who was started that the 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 uh archives are still there and a lot of the archives are still quite you know worthwhile yeah. even for somebody was somebody just sent me yesterday sent me a translation that i had published on on uh, you know was asking me for some you know for some feedback on that translation i posted on on Gaudiya discussions 20 years ago you were tying that in with uh the problem with guru tattva with the yeah well okay i'm sorry yeah so uh yeah i talked <laughs> most about this so the availability of information is there but uh yeah. but but what what's happened with guru tattva so over the years right so we're, i was talking about the 19th century and the way things go but like the of course the you know all the way through if you even look back to chaitanya bhagavat and so on always this question of you know like the humanity and the and the divinity of the of the guru is a problem that has come up and you know like and, and where do we actually draw that line and mm. when does it, you know because even but even in the bhakti sandarbha jiva goswami says that uh, you know that you should ask your guru for permission this is why i was mentioning before about nitai going to uh, Prabhupada and asking him for permission so he was yeah. following uh, he was following uh he was following uh, jiva goswami's instruction and so jiva goswami says if your guru doesn't give you permission to associate with other advanced vaishnavas then you should worship your guru from a distance right so this was uh, this was you know these kinds of things were you know so the most important thing was not that he knows everything not that he's some kind of you know divine creature you know but that he is uh, that he is pushing you forward in your spiritual life and if there's someone who is more advanced or someone that you can learn from then he will send you to that person and say go go for it go for it now learn become you know like you want to learn the, you know you want to become a better musician for krishna i can't help you you go to someone else you know and like that so the the idea is to encourage the disciple to go but nowadays we have this idea that maybe comes from you know that vivekananda ramakrishna story where the vivekananda goes and sees ramakrishna and ramakrishna touches him on the head and he his whole body flushes off in you know ecstatic symptoms and so on and he sees the divine or whatever you know and so we want we want that kind of guru but you know it's not necessarily that you're going to find that kind of guru right it's not that you're not does that mean that you're you're you know people nowadays are are waiting for some you know the basic thing about guru is that he gives you initiation that's what the, the diksha guru and then after diksha guru then you have shiksha gurus yeah. so the diksha guru is according to jiva goswami the diksha guru is usually your what he's called what jiva goswami calls shravana guru he doesn't use the word shiksha guru. He uses shravana guru. He also uses the expression bhajana shiksha guru. But that comes a bit later, right? So you have, you start your first guru is a shravana guru. He's the person who is instructing you. So, okay, going back to the original problems of guru tattva in Iskan, right? When you had the in the in the eighties, there was a there was a a movement among the temple presidents in North America, right? This was the North American temple presidents' uh, rebellion. You know, they didn't like the way that the the, the 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 GBC and the gurus were were 
manip manipulating things, but they were saying that we're actually doing the work of the guru, right? That we're in the temples and people are coming to the temple and we're teaching them, we're teaching them Bhagavatam, we're, we're teaching them, we're, we're, we're instructing them, we're doing all actually the, the hands-on work of Guru Tattva is being done by us. And then you guys come along and you say, he's my disciple, I'm taking him now. Right, right. Let right. him, you know, let him come. You know, I'm the, you know, here. What's this Montreal temple? This is what happened in Montreal. Kirtananda, Gopal Krishna, they <clears throat> they destroyed the Montreal temple. When the Montreal temple at the at the height of the Montreal temple, we had none. This is why so many of these Canadian people now have become Ritviks, right? Because these, you know, the Montreal temple had a vibrant, exciting kind of program there were lots of musicians there were there were musicians who had been professional musicians before and they were they were they had a, a you know a sense of excitement about kirtan and 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 doing the kirtan music and so on and then they got told that it was all maya and kirtan anandaked came and said we need you in in or or kirtan anandaked said come we, we i need people in new Vrindavan. and so they what they did was they they sucked the temples dry and um, and uh, or you know like Tamal Krishna was another one who you know came with the Damodar party and he was coming and you know you know taking all the good book distributors and you know, right I heard about that yes so so these kinds of things were going on so but so the amazing main point that I'm saying is that they were right you see that they were actually doing the work of Guru they were actually the ones who they should have been the ones who were giving initiation oh you're saying the TP the TPs were right yeah the temple presidents right right. So, um, so you know, okay, well, you know, is that temple president on the same level as Srila Prabhupada? Well, obviously not, right? But does that, you know, but that's the point. They say, well, only, only if you're on the level of Srila Prabhupada are you qualified to be a guru. Isn't that kind of ridiculous? I mean, that you can only, you know, then it's like saying only if you're on the level of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu can you be a guru. But, or the, only if you're on the level of Nityananda Prabhu. Right. So what's with the, the Nityananda family, you know, they're, well, <clears throat> you know, this is another important thing that kind of gets into the discussion about, yeah. uh, about birth, right? So for many of the Indian people, uh, Western devotees, I was talking before about Binod Bihari Baba speaking very positively of ISKCON and Prabhupada because of the, you know, so, so many of the devotees are becoming actually really hungry for bhajan, really hungry to understand, you know, like to get, get into the, you know, to, to deeply enter into the, into this Krishna conscious culture. And so, uh, so, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing is, you know, this, the thickening, what Prabhupada used to call the thickening of the milk, right? Mm -hmm. But you want, of course, to have the most highly qualified gurus. And of course you don't want your gurus falling down left and right. But uh, that happened anyway, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, that ISKCON, I mean, I, when I left ISKCON, it was just at the beginning of the whole, you know, when things started to stir up, you know, and there was a, I, I don't know to what extent, I mean, many of the devotees will know all this history. But, uh, you know, Pradyumna wrote a letter and then Yashodananda and uh, some of the other people in Vrindavan. But especially Pradyumna and Yashodananda, and they were, they were the ones who kind of, 
first started asking questions about whether the, the, the way things were going on in ISKCON was really the, the, the right way to do it. Right. Because you know, if you don't want to be, if you're, if you're, you know, you don't want to, you want to be humble. You know, <laughs> a devotee should be humble. <laughs> mm-hmm. But okay, where was I there? So I mean, uh, you're, tie- you're tying this all in with why Lalit Prasad Thakur okay, was controversial. Okay, so let's go back to that. So I'm just saying. So the first yeah. of all, first error is that not necessarily every, you know, that that it wasn't that the that the whole of Gaudiya Vaishnavism had somehow become, you know, completely. Gone to the dogs. Yeah, you know it was that it was the fact was that the British came to India and introduced the modern world to India, and the Christians were coming and criticizing Indian religion and Hinduism left and right, and uh, a lot of the educated people like Bhaktivinoda Thakur they they became sensitive to the criticisms of of Christianity. Bhaktivinoda Thakur, if you read some of his earlier stuff, like uh, his thing on the his, his you know the Bhagavatam, have you ever read that? The uh, the no. little book by called the, the Bhagavatam um, in, by Bhaktivinoda Thakur, which is I think his very first. It was one of his very first writings, if not the first. It was a speech that he gave, and then he published the speech. But he's 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 speaking to um, an educated audience which would have included british people you know some non-indian people so he's quite uh, you know he, he, so if you read that's a, a really good little uh, thing to read to get an, an impression of, of Bhaktivinoda Thakur in his early years i mean he would have been what well, this was he was already a magistrate at the time so he did this in dinajpur i think but uh, I mean, he was no longer a student when he was, you know, he, he it took him a while to come around to Krishna consciousness. But when he when he read the Bhagavatam, then he had this, you know, he, he, he you know, it's a very modern way of looking at things. It's very different, really, from the way that Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati spoke. Because Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati knew Bhaktivinoda Thakur when he was already, you know, in a position of authority as a devotee, as someone who was writing and who was being recognized and was actively, you know, preaching for the birthplace of, Bhakti, of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and and these kinds of things. So they knew him as a full-fledged Vaishnava. So, but but in his autobiography, you know, Bhaktivinoda Thakur gives us a lot of his background, and you see from his early writings also that his attitude wasn't exactly, you know the way that an ISKCON devotee would have read the, you know, Prabhupada's books and would have known Vaishnavism through uh, someone who spoke authoritatively like Bhakti, like Prabhupada did. Rather, he was coming from, Bhaktivinoda Thakur was coming from a Christian education, really. He got the, he, he was, he was very interested as a teenager and as a student the, the, the presence of Christians and Christian preachers was very strong at the Hindu college. And um, they were there, the Christians were there because they were, you know, they also know, you know, you want to get the cream of the cream and then you, you know, they convert to Christianity, then uh, they lead the, they, they'll lead the people to Christianity. Right. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur, you know, had seen that and he'd been 
I still haven't, you know, I mean, I, I hope that some scholars will do some really good research on what exactly was Bhaktivinoda Thakur, uh, you know, in relationship to the kinds of people that he was talking to, what the, the kind of Christianity that he was interrelating with. And oh, what, I did a podcast with someone, with a scholar about, about I know who, uh, yes, you, with... Uh, Lucien Wang. What? Uh, Lali, uh, Lalita Madhava. Lucien Wang. Oh yeah, yes. Okay, yeah. So I've, I, I, yeah, I've met him also. We, we, we had some talks. He came to Vrindavan once. Right. Yeah. So the, the, uh, yeah. So there, the, there are people who are, but uh, there have been other people. I mean, it's an interesting area of, of discussion. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. As, as I was just talking. I mean, if I'm, I hope, I hope you don't mind me. I'm really a, I do have a tendency to go off in many directions. I'm trying to, I'm trying to reel you back to the, to the main book. Okay, well, let's well, forget what I was going to go talk no, about. No, 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 go, go, finish but it. Anyway, finish so, but Lalita Prasad Thakur, so Lalita Prasad Thakur, uh, he got Bhaktivinoda Thakur to write this, this uh, autobiography. And okay. so it was very, very useful and very, very interesting. And I, you know, I enjoy it greatly. I enjoyed it in Bengali and I enjoyed it in the translation also. I actually redid the translation, so hopefully that'll be published one day. Oh, but wow. um, but the main problem with the with for Gaudiya Math and Iskand, the reason that Gaudiya Math, the, the, the you know the Gaudiya Math published it, you know Sunarananda Vidyavinod published the the the, uh, the the memoir, but I think they only did it once because uh, because of the problem that Bipin Bihari Goswami is. Bhaktivinoda Thakur's guru. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so Bhaktivinoda Vihari Goswami has been written out of Gaudiya Vaishnava history by Iskan and by the Gaudiya Math. Mm. I mean, there's some people in the Gaudiya Math who know that Vipin Vihari Goswami was Bhaktivinoda Thakur's guru, but they've marginalized him so much they don't even, you know, he's not he's not in the parampara, for instance. I mean, I often think if you were to uh, if I was to say, okay, I accept Bhakti Bhakti Vedanta Swami as my guru, but I don't accept Bhakti I don't accept that Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati is his guru, how would that work? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work, right? You yeah. can't say, you know. So, is Diksha guru important? Is the is Diksha Parampara important, or is it not important? So now they say that Diksha guru Parampara is not important. That the only important Parampara is Shiksha guru, but but that's not true. You know, I mean, what's the whole problem with the Ritwigs? The Ritwigs are saying that we don't need to be actually physically in Prabhupada's presence in order to be his disciple. Yeah. That anybody can be Prabhupada's disciple. It's like Christianity. You know, you get baptized, you become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Nobody else counts, right? Yeah. But that's not that's not Hinduism and that's not Vaishnavism. Because Vaishnavism, you see, in Vaishnavism, you take, you recognize the presence of God's mercy in the person who is your guru right so it's not the person that you're looking at it's the presence of god's mercy that's what you're looking at that's what makes the guru the guru right now of course the presence of god's mercy i mean you, you have to be qualified right someone has to someone has to have some element of devotion in them or else he wouldn't be able to have that power but uh but uh, certainly in terms of guru tattva you don't have to, it doesn't have to be, it, it doesn't, uh, you, you have to recognize the Diksha Guru. The Diksha Guru is actually the, has always traditionally been the disciplic line, you know. Well, 
that's debatable, I guess. You know, it's not, I, I can, you know, you can find other examples where it's not the case. But generally speaking, you know, like for instance, in the Shankara Sampradaya. So Shankara Sampradaya, the really, when you're talking about Guru Parampara in India, then really the, other than the Brahmin lines, right? The Brahmins also trace their, their, their line through birth, going back to, you know, the Adi Rishis, you know, to Gautama or whoever happens to be the founder of that particular uh, Brahminical line. But uh, we don't have really going back historically any of these disciplic lines in India before Shankaracharya. So Shankaracharya, so now if you look at Shankaracharya, so the, the, the you know, the, you have the, the Mats, the four Mats uh, of uh, Shankara, and uh, they have their disciplic succession. So their disciplic succession is the who are the heads of the Mat, and the head of the Mat would always, you know, appoint his disciple to be his successor. And they can Madhva Sampradaya is the same thing, and Ramanuja Sampradaya is pretty much the same thing. So that that was the tradition that it was a, a, a diksha parampara and then when when the Gaudiya sampradaya started to figure out how to you know continue its lineage right we don't have any lineages really if if you look in uh, chaitanya bhagavat and chaitanya charitamrita you won't find anything going beyond madhavendra puri madhavendra puri's name is the earliest name for any uh, guru, but there you have right away, you, have, you know, Madhavendra Puri is the initiating guru of Ishwara Puri, and Ishwara Puri is the initiating guru of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has no initiated disciples, right? It's stated directly in the commentary to uh, to the uh, Hari Bhakti Vilas. There, uh, in his commentary, Sanatana Goswami says that. And the avatar doesn't actually give initiation, so that was actually an interesting, an interesting observation on the part of Sanatan Goswami. <laughs> so really, what happened there was that uh, you know that uh, Nityananda and the other parshads they became de facto initiating gurus, right? So it wasn't necessarily that. So you don't see any guru parampara in the Gaudiya Sampradaya that goes beyond. A parshad of Chaitanya, right? So that's when we say, you know, so the so the whole idea of the panchatattva, you know, pancha that you have, you know, Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gradhar Sivasadi Gaurabhaktavrinda. These are the five categories of sampradaya acharyas or guru acharyas of the sampradaya. So Nityananda is the most important one, right? In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, he's the main branch. And then Advaita is the second important branch, then Gadadhar. And then you have Bhaktavrinda, so Srivasadi Bhaktavrinda. So the, all the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, associates were qualified to be Diksha Gurus. So you have still now, you still have so many, uh, you have, like Dhananjaya Pandit. So Dhananjaya Pandit wasn't exactly the most important disciple of, uh, you know, associate of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, right? But he's mentioned in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. But why are they mentioned in the Chaitanya Charitamrita? They're mentioned in the Chaitanya Charitamrita so that their disciplic lines can point and say, yes, there is our, our authority. That's where, where it's coming from. So the, the idea is a little bit different, right? The, the idea is that the connection, there's a kind of connection with the incarnation, all right? <clears throat> it's a physical connection with the incarnation. 
Why is that important? Because it's important because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu entered into the world, right? He came from the spiritual world and entered into the material world. So when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was in the material world, right, he had his associates who were also coming from Goloka. Yeah. So, so you're, you're so you're saying basically that the that we shouldn't just disregard the diksha line, that it's commonly done. Well, you wouldn't do it now. That's like I gave the example. Bhakti Vedanta Swami is the disciple of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati. What is Iskand saying now? Iskand is saying that if you're a disciple of that, you have to in order to be a, a qualified guru, you have to be an initiated disciple of Bhakti Siddha, Bhakti Vedanta, or you know, in initiated disciplic succession, right? Right. I mean, if you if you want to be a member in good standing of ISKCON, ultimately you're expected to be initiated by someone who is an, a, a, a guru in good standing in ISKCON, right? Yes. So you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to skip a step. You wouldn't be able to say, "Oh, he's my shiksha guru. I don't need to really be a you know." If not, if you want to be a guru yourself, I mean, if you're going to go and initiate someone, if you want to decide that today I'm going to initiate somebody, you know. What would you initiate them in? Some mantra that you read in a book, right? You could. I do think that. it's just assume that that person also has diksha. Exactly, and so when you put the picture on the altar, whose picture are you going to put? Are you going to put? You're going to put your the pictures of the people who are diksha gurus, right? Yeah. The only problem is that when you get to bhakti, bhakti, you know, but when you get to bhakti siddhanta saraswati, that's really where things start to get confusing. Mm -hmm. Because <clears throat> Gorkishore does Babaji, we don't really know, really. I mean, of course, Gaudiya Mak people will argue vehemently that Gaudiya Gorkishore Das Babaji did give initiation to Bhakti, uh, to Bhakti Sinanta Saraswati, but there's a considerable debate about that. I know I'm going to get into trouble for this. <laughs> I might get into trouble too, but this is. <laughs> It's but, just fascinating. Uh, yeah, it's a fascinating history. But, but, but if you even but but the thing about it is is that Bhaktivinoda Thakur, in so many ways, Bhaktivinoda Thakur is without Bhaktivinoda Thakur, what did Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati? Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati wrote a few things. He gave a lot of lectures and so on. But the writings of but really the Gaudiya Math, the central part of the Gaudiya Math was to publish and distribute the books of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Jaiva Dharma, Chaitanya Shikshamrita. Uh, you know, uh, Mahaprabhu Shiksha, um, uh, you know, keep on going, you know, like Krishna Sangita, the, you know, like Datta Kostu, you know, there's all the things. And, but most of all, it's the songs, right? right. So the Bhaktivinoda you know, Thakur's song books. These are, this, this is what, uh, these are the, the, the building blocks of the Gaudiya Math. This is Gaudiya Math was built on, on Bhaktivinoda you Thakur. So now this Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he tells the story of how he got initiated in, in the, in the, by his guru, how he found his guru. And it's quite interesting because Bhaktivinoda Thakur was already, it was um, 18, uh, 1880. So Lalita Prasad Thakur was born just after Bhaktivinoda Thakur got initiated. So this is another thing. But uh, so Bhaktivinoda Thakur actually got initiated in 1880. So he'd already been a practicing Vaishnava for many years, right? He really became, Bhaktivinoda Thakur really became a, a Vaishnava between 1870 and 1875 when he was living in Jagannath Puri. That's really where he, that's really where he, he got his fire 
and we're so really- so what was the point to erase kind of Bipin Bihari Goswami from the okay so now the point is that what happens if your if your Diksha guru says something that you don't like what do you do then right, <laughs> right. so now now you you can say all right I don't like what my guru my my guru is speaking something that's not uh, authorized in the scripture. Mm-hmm. He's given me initiation. Now, do I reject his initiation because of that? No. Right. So now that, that that's what I agree. But now, Bhakti Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati did not. For uh, well, you know, you go back to 1903 or 1905, and there uh, you see that Bhakti you know, that Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati is thanked by Bipin Bihari Goswami for editing and for correcting. Uh, the manuscript for a book that he's written and and that he was actually participating in the publication because Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati before he became you know his own uh, his own independent uh, you know he became an acharya himself before that and he would uh, he was working with Bhakti Vinotakur on the press that they had and Bhakti you know and I think that he was considerably you know no doubt he was he went to Jagannath Puri with with Bhaktivinoda between 1900 and 1903 so uh, there was a strong connection but uh, but but Vipin Bihari Goswami and Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati they had a falling out oh interesting things that Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati didn't like about Bhakti about Vipin Bihari Goswami uh-huh. But if you look at the at what Bhaktivinoda Thakur has to say about it, and what Bipin Bihari Goswami has to say about Bhaktivinoda Thakur, right? Um, Bipin Bihari Goswami wrote a thousand-page book called um, Dashamula Niryasa. Uh, Dashamula, that's Bhaktivinoda Thakur's thing. Right. Right. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur, one of his books is Dashamula. You know. So, so there, Vipin um, Bihari Goswami wrote an entire book, and he kind of, I mean, it's a lot broader than than just uh, you know Bhakti Thakur's verses, but he he quotes Bhakti Thakur's verse, and he writes about a ten-page uh, <clears throat> glorification of Bhakti Thakur towards the end of the book. So, uh, you know, where he, he gives a little bit of an autobiographical note and says, of all my disciples, the best one is Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And says, if it wasn't for Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he said, I wouldn't be able to, uh, he, 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 by, he was the one who kept my household afloat. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was that important in terms of, of providing for the, you know, for, for his activities, for his preaching activities and so on. And uh, the ter- the title Bhakti Vinod was given by Bipin Bihari Goswami. Oh wow! So uh, you know that this was when you see that the 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 the, the uh, acharyas of uh, of Bhagnapara, right? But Bipin Bihari Goswami is in the family of Bhagnapara, which is a, a, a branch of the Nityananda Vamsha. So he's actually so the founder of the, the uh, of the Bhagnapara line is uh, Ramai Thakur, who's Ramchandra Goswami, and Ramchandra Goswami was the adopted disciple, adopted son, and Diksha disciple of Janava Mata. So Ramai Thakur never actually knew Nityananda Prabhu, but he was the disciple of Janava Mata. 
and he went to Vrindavan with Janava Mata. And when he came back from Vrindavan, after Janava Mata merged into Gopinath, right, then, then Ramai Thakur returned to Bengal and he uh, went to this, uh, he went, actually what happened was that he went into the, uh, a forest where there were, you know, where there were lions, where there were tigers, the word Bhagna Para. So Bhag, Bhag means, you know, Bhag, Bhag means tiger, right? Mm. So, so and na. So I don't know if this is true or not, but that's what they say. Bhag na. There's no tigers here. Uh. <laughs> this is the place where there's no tigers. So apparently, Ramai Thakur was famous for having, you know, through his spiritual power, to have uh, driven away the, right. the tigers. We're 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 kind of running out of time, but I want to. Oh, we're already wanna, running out of time. Yeah, it's been an hour and a half. <laughs> I want to. I want to really. I want to really hone in on 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 this. Um, your meeting of Lalit Prasad Thakur and then how. Okay. Well, you, let me just you decided to join him. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it happened. I guess this was about nineteen. So, nineteen seventy nine. As I was saying, this was the time when Pradumna came to Mayapur, and uh, he had his uh, famous letter where he was starting to ask questions. Yes. About uh, how things were, you know, I'd been a, I'd been a, I'd been a gung ho, eleven acharyas person. Oh. You know, I was, I was, I was the, I was the cheerleader number one. <laughs> I even wrote a song in Bengali. That uh, you know that that I think it was sung once at the Mayapur festival of 1978, and uh, it was uh, you know it had all the guru, eleven gurus' names in it. Was it Egaro Mahajan, Jaya Jaya Guru Dev Egaro Mahajan, Jaya Jaya Guru Dev Egaro Mahajan. So I had to you know there were many people like Yashodanandan. We're not very, and even now, you know, the person who sang the song was Satvik Das. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's no. he, lives, he lives in in uh, he lives in Calcutta now. He's an Italian devotee. He married an Indian girl, uh -huh. and uh, he's been living. I don't know exactly what he does for a living, but he's been living in Calcutta all these years. But he was in, in he was a brahmachari in 1978, and he's he was a kirtan leader. And he sang the song. So the both of us, and now he's become a Ritvik. <laughs> wow. So so the song was not a blessing really to us so much. Or maybe it was, I don't know. But at any rate, I was gung-ho. I thought that this was, you know, I thought that the best way to have this, and I think this is this was the traditional way. You know, Prabhupada had men, named these people. So I mean, I didn't, I, and I still believe that Prabhupada named these people as his successors. I'm not, I don't have any... Uh, yeah, I think it was clear enough that it was yeah. that uh, I don't I don't think that the language of these, you know, the 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 the, the tooth the, the picking away at uh, Prabhupada's letters to try to make him say something that he didn't say, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, so, uh, but I thought that the best way to 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 uh, keep it going was to keep was to encourage them and to uh, you know like to give them our support. But uh, it shows that even with that, with support, that they that they mis mishandled it a little bit. So in 1979, already things were starting to bubble to the surface, and people were starting to be a little bit uh, concerned that this is not the way that really things were supposed to be going. And um, and uh, so uh, I also felt like that. I was also feeling that the that there was you know that the atmosphere in Iskand was troubled because of. Uh, 
because of uh, a, a sense of confusion. Actually, I'll tell you something, that when Prabhupada left this world in 1977, I was not, I was in Mayapur and uh, we received the message, the, 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 uh, the report. And so immediately all the devotees went to the temple, right? This is just a natural thing to do. I mean, just everybody just dropped whatever they were doing and they went to the temple. And so I remember I was there in front of the temple and I was crying like everybody else. And, uh, and, uh, but I was, but my mind was thinking that Prabhupada, you, you, you know, you, there's so much left that I need to learn. And I can see that the, the people who are leading the movement, you know, the, the Bhavanandas, the Jaipatakas, whatever their good qualities may be, they don't have that kind of, you know, samskar. They don't have that kind of depth. And, uh, you know, they, what they're going to do is they're going to just keep pushing things, you know, like, the, you, know, the, you know, at the first in 1978 and the first uh, Mayapur meeting after Prabhupada left, you know, it was all right, you know, Preach, 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 you know, preach, 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 say to the world, you know, <laughs> it was that kind of, you know, so that was, that was about the limit of it, you know, the idea of boiling the milk, that didn't, that didn't figure, figure in anywhere at that time, right, the whole idea was to keep the, you know, to keep this, this uh, insane momentum that had developed, you know, with Prabhupada, and that momentum did continue on for a few more years. But uh, but I was I was in India and I was in contact with, with the many Indian devotees and I and I and I you know and when, especially when I you know um, heard and learned about the issues surrounding the disciplic succession I felt very much that this was a cause of the of the problem that uh, I, I you know I, I mean I'm I'm. I might not feel so strongly about that anymore, but at the, at the time, I certainly felt that there was something that was, that, that there was a problem, that the problem was more at the root of things. And it, it, it perhaps, you know, this splitting off of the Gaudiya Sampradaya and, uh, you know, the separation of the Gaudiya Math from the rest of the Gaudiya world was uh, not really desirable. And so I went to Lalita Prasad Thakur, who, you know, like I said, uh, was... Um, Lalita Prasad Thakur took initiation from Bhakti Vinod Thakur, whereas Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, although he got Nushinga Mantra and a few other things from Bhakti Vinod Thakur, he never got official initiation from him, right. whereas Lalita Prasad Thakur did. So I felt that since Bhakti Vinod Thakur was such an important figure in our Sampradaya, that I needed, I, I really wanted to, you know, make the connection with him. So, you know, people accuse me of abandoning Srila Prabhupada or abandoning the movement. But uh, I feel that uh, I did it in the interest of boiling the milk. I thought that it was necessary to, to un you know, as a historical, historically minded person, as someone who wants to know the history of our Sampradaya, who wants to know how things happened, how things developed, where the problems were, you know, what, you know, what, what, what kind of original, you know, how much, how original are we allowed to be? You know, what is the, what is the, what is the room for innovation? What is the what does it mean to be you know to follow the scriptures? What does it mean to you know to you know all these are questions that I've that I uh, you know was very interested in. So at the time, especially, uh, you know, a big part of it was that Raganuga Bhakti and Siddha Pranali, all these things were a matter of uh, of concern. So um, Siddha Pranali 
Bhaktivinoda Thakur talks about Siddha Pranali. Bhaktivinoda Thakur talks about Siddha Pranali, especially in Harinama uh, Chintamani, in the last chapter of Harinama Chintamani. But he also, in the last chapters of, of Jaiva Dharma, also in the last chapters of uh, Chaitanya Shikshamrita, he talks about these things. And uh, he's, he, you know, in, in not, you know, so he's, he, you know, Bhaktivinoda Thakur was a strong believer in Raganuga Bhakti and in, uh, you know, Guru Pranali. Uh, you know, and uh, Manjari Bhav and all these things. And uh, he's not, doesn't shy away from it. I mean, it's at the end, it comes at the end of these books, but nevertheless, yeah. it's not something that's, it's it's part of the system. It's not something that's outside of the Gaudiya Vaishnava system. And so now that by eliminating that completely, you know, perhaps there was some abuse. I don't know. You know that people were going around calling themselves Manjuris and dressing like Gopis. I don't know. <laughs> perhaps that was, perhaps there were some people doing that. I mean, there were some people in the Tagore Radhishyam. You know, there were some some cross dressers in the in there. There's even uh, huh? yeah. So you went to Lali Prasad. Yeah, so you... I went to Lalita Prasad Thakur. I went to, I went there and he gave me initiation about uh, you know not so long before he left his body actually. Uh -huh. I spent, yeah, and then I went to uh, then. So then I, I, you know, at first he said, "Just stay in Iskon and keep 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 at it." But um, I was a sannyasi in Iskon at the time, and uh, then uh -huh. I went to uh, you know. So I went to the, the. I guess the people like Bhavananda Maharaj, who was my superior, uh, he was the one who actually gave me sannyasi initiation. So uh, I was traveling about and preaching here and there, but then I saw, you know, that if I stay in Iskand, I'm going to end up spending all my time doing management and stuff like that. And I want to, I really want to study and and do bhajan. And so uh, when that when it came to, when when it came to that, then I then I I felt that I I had I needed to go to Vrindavan and sit under a tree. Right. When you when you said that he gave you initiation. Is that like, uh, I mean, you were already initiated by Prabhupada, so how did you harmonize that? I know you, you're criticized for that as well. So Yeah, that's so that's perfect. what the people would think. But, but uh, well, I mean, yes, so normally, well, I did it because I felt that it, there was that something had gone wrong and something needed to be corrected. I know that the I people see. were, you know, not not to be able to understand my mind there. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to get an well, account. The thing, was that, the thing was that I could not, I could not harmonize the idea that we could accept Bhakti Vinodhaka without accepting Bipin Bihari Goswami. It seems right. to me, you know, like it seems what Ardha Kukutinyaya, right? Right. You know that Ardha Kukutinyaya. So Ardha Kukutinyaya. So you accept Nityananda. What is it, what is it that Kabiraj Goswami says that, uh, you know, you accept Chaitanya, but you don't accept Nityananda? What's right. that? Right? So right. I was saying you can't, you accept Bhakti Vinodhaka, but you don't accept Bipin Bihari Goswami. What's that? You know, you, you, you're actually, you're actually missing uh, in a sense, the historical integrity of the Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya, because mm -hmm. that's the way that the, that's the way that the tradition was carried down. You know, you have Janava Mata, Ramai Thakur, Raj Balava Goswami, you know, going down until you get to, you know, Yagyeshwar Goswami, Bipin Bihari Goswami, and then Bhaktivinoda Thakur. I mean, and I personally, I would accept that he took Diksha from Bipin Bihari and I, and I, Goswami, and I, I respect that, but like what it, when you mean when you say like they don't accept that he was they don't accept him like what does that actually mean well okay well it means there's a couple of things involved one is that you say that the diksha sampradaya is less important than the, than the shiksha sampradaya 
Right. Well, right. Rather than the two of them being, but if you say that, then you have to say that, well, what's the shiksha? What is the shiksha? So right, the shiksha right. says that, you know, Guru Padasra Stasmad Krishna Dikshadi Shikshanam. Mm-hmm. So Diksha comes before Shiksha. Right. right? So they're in, in, in the, this is Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So that's right at the very beginning. Now, listen, there are all kinds of different ways that things happen. So <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, I would, I would say that, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a rules person. I'm a, a Raganuga person, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I mean, uh, there are certain elements of a tradition that are not easily rejected or tossed away. Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati wanted to be free of the Goswamis, the Nityananda Goswamis. He didn't want the Nityananda Goswamis and the Advaita Goswamis to have monopoly. And actually they don't have the monopoly. What's the, there's no question of them having any monopoly. Anybody can give initiation. But of course the Nityananda Goswamis will often say that, you know, an ordinary person should not just give initiation. The initiation, the, the Goswamis, were given that task. And so the task of being initiating gurus in the Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya is the, you know, the Prabhu Santans, what they call Prabhu Santan, the, mm-hmm. the, the offspring of the, of the original Prabhus. But that includes, you know, Sriva Sadi Gaur Bhaktivrinda. So Sriva Sadi Gaur Bhaktivrinda, I mean, of course, Ramai Thakur, right? He was, but Ramai Thakur had a good lineage himself. I mean, his he was um, the grandson of Vangshi Vadanananda Thakur. So Vangshi Vadanananda Thakur was one was a very close associate of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Nabadvip, and he was also the uh, responsible for for Vishnu Priya's maintenance and uh, when after he left the the world. So uh, you know, so there was so Ramai Thakur was. You know, a significant, so you know, personality in his own right, but he had, you know, the he had the he was the adopted son and the and the initiated disciple of Janavamata. If you look at Bhaktivinotakur's writings, he mentions it several times. Bhaktivinotakur has mentioned several times his relationship with Bihari Goswami in various books. Mm-hmm. You know, so how can you know? I mean, this is something that you know, like, why don't we offer our respects to Bihari Goswami every single day? You know, mm-hmm. why don't we why don't we remember Bipin Bahari Goswami when we remember Bhaktivinoda Thakur? We remember Gorkishore Das Babaji, we remember Jagannath Das Babaji, we remember, you know, why is what makes Bhakti Bipin Bihari Goswami so insignificant? Bipin Bihari Goswami and at the when Bhaktivinoda Thakur writes about Bipin Bihari Goswami, right? He was older, 12 years older, right? Bipin Bihari, he was in, in he was 32 years old, excuse me. Right, I seem to remember twelve years. It might be eight years. He might. He was eight years older than than you know. So, so just try to think. You know, here's Bhaktivinoda Thakur, who's already been five years uh, living in in Jagannath Puri, studying the Bhagavatam, studying the texts, and all these things. And still, after all that time, he decides that he must take initiation. He must take initiation. He says he was looking everywhere for a guru. That either they were, you know, either they were not sufficiently learned, or their, you know, their their character was not good. Mm-hmm. So you know, he, he, he wasn't happy. So he says, but in but Bipin Bihari Goswami, he found both those qualities. 
So now that we're going to say, and, and the most interesting thing was, now this is what kind of a, a theme that runs through the memoirs, that Bhaktivinoda Thakur is struggling with meat eating and fish eating. He likes fish. He's a Bengali. He likes, he, he says that when he was, he was in Bihar, uh, uh, it was a couple of years in Bihar, and he, he, was, he said he was eating every single day, he was eating goat meat, right? So devotees don't like to hear that, right? Yeah, that's not so Bhakti Thakur is eating fish and meat. And not only that, but Bhakti Thakur says, you know, he was eating so much meat, but that it that it that it made him sick. He was having uh, ulcers and, and so on. Mm -hmm. I'm still here. My my video just went. Okay. But uh so just to finish that, so then when Bhakti Thakur did take his initiation, he wrote a letter to his guru. Uh, or he he wrote in his he says that he wrote to the guru and said that since I took initiation I have given up doing violence to living creatures. So it means that he stopped eating meat after he took initiation. So his guru gave him initiation even when he was still uh, eating meat. Yeah. And and there's a story, of course, the famous story about uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur when he was in Jagannath Puri. And that in Jagannath Puri, that he was he was giving Bhagavatam classes at Jagannath Balavan Gardens, right? The Jagannath, he was giving classes. Here. Fantastic! If you've ever been to Puri and you've seen the Jagannath Balavan Gardens, a fantastic place, yeah. you know. And he was there were he he was just giving a you know his classes there to to people, and and everybody was coming, right? The Babaji's were coming, and then some of the Babaji's, you know, they they objected because he wasn't Sadachari. Mm. And because he didn't have neck beads and so on. He says, I don't have neck beads because I'm not initiated. But I don't have, I'm not initiated, but I'm also, I'm not initiated, I'm not sadachar. That's what the point was. So then later on, but when he took initiation, then he says, at that time, he stopped. Right? And then you, you see what happens then. 18 after, after what, well, look at Bhaktivinoda Thakur's career from 1880 to about 1890 something. Right? This is the most productive period of his life. It's the most productive period of his life. It's when he's really starting to, you know, he starts publishing a magazine and so on. And all these things he did with the help of Bipin Bihari Goswami. Right. Bipin Bihari Goswami was a contributor to his magazine, to, to uh, you know, Sajan Toshin. And Bipin Bihari Goswami was even a member of the committee to, to uh, you know, for the, pub, for the pre preaching of the birthplace. But... What happened was that the birthplace became a big problem because as time went by, less and less period people accepted the authenticity of the birthplace in Mayapur. And uh, that's a whole other story. I don't want to get into that. I, I, I would like to, I was just thinking we have to do a part two because we're at a cliffhanger uh, here <laughs> now. Uh, it's a good place to stop because we're at an hour and 46 minutes, but this is a very fascinating history. You know so much, and and for people listening, I mean, Jagadananda Prabhu is not just a just a kind of normal person. He'd done a PhD, uh, and you've done various like very in depth study on all this stuff. So, um, I I'd, I'd like to do part two with you if if you're into that. No problem. I don't okay. mind. As you can okay. see, once you turn my turn me on, and the switch starts, difficult to get the switch turned. Yeah, and, and I'll do a better job next time of <laughs> reeling well, you in a little bit more. I think we, I think we got basically. I mean, I did. I was, I was really rather out of 
preferred, let's say, to talk about, uh, you know, Preeti Sandarbha, which is where, where I'm at right now. Yeah, yeah. But Maybe uh, we can do that in part two, but just just your evolution in your your devotional life, like kind of woven in with the history of Bibin Bihari Goswami, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Lalit Prasad Thakur, that's very fascinating, and I appreciate that. Well, I, I, it's certainly these, I mean, listen, people often, you know, this problem with the Sampradaya, just today, a, an old friend of mine from Toronto, uh, who is a devotee in Toronto, and uh, he's uh, become a Ritvig now. And uh, <clears throat> so he, you know, he was also bringing up this point, you know, like it's a point of difficulty, you know, that he doesn't agree that okay. I did the right thing, you know, but, but uh, what can I say? It was a, it was a, a great opportunity for me to learn, to learn, to, to learn about the, the, the Vaishnava world, yeah. not just the, not just the Gaudiya, but it's given me an opportunity to be, to mix with the, the Vaishnava community in a way that uh, as a, a person from the Gaudiya Math, generally speaking, uh, the Gaudiya Math and Iskhan are have been, if not, if if less so nowadays, but they have been consistently critical of the of you know the traditional Gaudiya Vaishnavas, right. and so it's very difficult for them to come into the Gaudiya Vaishnav community and to be to you know and not have this uh, you know conflict uh, hanging over them like a cloud. And so yeah, it makes yeah. it difficult to to have a you know meaningful. Of course, that's not the case. Everybody can chant the name together. People can tell, you know Gaudiya people go in Vrindavan. If you go to the you know to the good speakers on Bhagavatam, it's full of Gaudiya Math people as well. They go there too, and the, and other Vaishnavas they also go to listen to someone like Narayan Maharaj. They they you know they they know that Harikata is you know beyond sampradayic yeah. mentality yeah i know so, i feel like i feel like being a person who interacts a lot with you know what we call non-devotees karmis and stuff i just appreciate all devotees no matter what their background is what their lineage is and i just feel like it's so life is so short it's so, so kind of petty to to make like inherit kind of like inherit these well, wars you could say in some in some yeah sure exactly i mean what i i sometimes surprise people because i say that you know that Prabhupada, he rejuvenated the entire Gaudiya vaishnava sampradaya because yeah. now there are ex iskan people everywhere <laughs> there are, there, hey, that's there a good, are that's a good point iskan people in the radhabalava sampradaya there are iskan you know there are iskan people in the nimbarka sampradaya there are yeah some people would have a problem with that but I mean, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, Rejuvenating I everybody. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, you know, the, the, in Ramanuja Sampradaya. So these yeah. people are going in there. And what happens in India is that in India, those the, the people who belong to, let's say, the Ramanuja Sampradaya or to the Radha Balava Sampradaya, they see Iskan people coming to them. Like Vinod Bihari Baba also, it's the same yeah. thing. You know, they see these people coming to him, you know. And where did they come from? If, yeah. you, if you take Prabhupada out of the equation, there's nothing there, right? No. So, so, uh, so you know, so Prabhupada kind of is like in a, in a way, I say that he's more like like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in the sense that uh, that his teaching was the holy name mm -hmm. above everything else. Yeah. And that the and that the and you know, of course, the scriptures and so on and everything else that went with it. 
Yeah. But if Prabhupada was teaching Indian culture, right? Because if you look at Prabhupada, one of the reasons, one of the things that I had that I got from Prabhupada and that, you know, I learned Bengali, I learned Sanskrit, I learned Hindi, right? And I spent a lot of time studying these things, right? To get to, because I wanted to boil the milk. I mean, it's the third time I've said that. But the yeah. idea is that, that this idea of boiling, I wanted the authentic, I wanted to, to, to find the authentic thing. I wanted to know what it was really like to be a Gaudiya Vaishnava in Bengal. And not just now, but in the 19th century, in the 18th century, in the 17th century, what was going on? What was going on? Yeah. You know, to you know, what was life like? What did people live like? What was what was Bengal like in the 16th century? You know, what was Bengal like in the 19th century? These are important questions that have to be answered because they have an, the, the the historical ambience has a great effect on the way things uh, develop. Yeah. So, I mean. From a modernist point, from a modernist perspective, you know, you could say that that Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati was doing something that made a lot of sense. It was something that was logical to say, okay, look, it's ridiculous to have these, uh, you know, inbred, you know, uh, monopolies of the disciplic succession like yeah. that. But um, at the same time. You know, there's another side to that coin also that has to be yeah. uh, considered. All right. Well, if you want to see Jagadananda Prabhu's uh, blog, it's he up here on the screen, jagadanandadas.blogspot.com. You can see everything we've talked about here. He's actually documented on his um, blog, uh, his whole history. If you want to go through that, it's very fascinating, very fascinating. So let's do a part two, Prabhu, uh, at some point. And uh, we'll continue this very yeah, fast. We'll take, take a different, you know, of course, if there's any questions left over, we'll see probably in your comments on the, uh, you, 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 you leave comments open. So people will probably. Exactly, yeah. We'll, but, we'll see uh, the comments. Yeah. I'm, you know, the, the whole point, all these things are really, in a way, they're external, right? The, yeah. the, the internal thing is bhajan. The internal thing is shravanam kirtanam vishnok smaranam padasevanam archanam vandanam dasyam sakyam atmanivedanam this is the this is really what we're, we're supposed to be doing so yeah. devotional association when you start talking about sampradaya and all that it becomes a question of join my group or you join my group right yeah. and that becomes the that becomes the preeminent uh, uh, matter for concern but the preeminent matter for this is what I was just saying. Gaudiya Math and they can get together and chant Hare Krishna together, right? You can get yeah. together and you can uh, read Bhagavatam together, or you yes. know, you can read. You know, like there's no, there's no, there's no, nothing stopping you. I'm with you on that. I am with you on that. All right, Prabhu, stay on. I'm just going to turn off the recording. Okay, okay. everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, uh, look out for part two. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna.